adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! Rete, rete! Welcome to the Rete This Way uh, podcast, a cultural podcast that brings you news and analysis from the world of Syria and European soccer, all the way from little old Canada. Uh, I am Michael D'Angelo, and here today we have, of course, uh, Chris, the beautiful one, Baselli. Hello, everybody. Uh, Paolo, I don't know, the, uh, the crazy, uh, I don't know, maniac, uh, <laughs> Mangoni. Good evening, everyone. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, and Julian, uh, what do you want to be? I don't know. You can call me whatever you want. Julian, the undecisive one, D'Angelo. There it is. I like it. Uh, everybody doing? Um, all right. Uh, welcome to the show, of course. Um, now, just uh, again, just to kind of get through what the agenda is going to look like today, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through, first of all, some um, recaps of, uh, of Europe, so Europa and Champions League. Um, and then we have kind of a, a few discussion points about, uh, you know, the teams that are in there and, and whether or not we should be or can be supporting them, you know, based on kind of your affiliations. Um, we have, there's a little bit of a COVID check, so we'll talk about that. And of course, trans, transfer rumors, uh, Chris is going to come up with a, uh, a nice cool segment at the bottom half of the show. And of course, Syria B minutes uh, to wrap it up. Um, so I guess let's, honestly, let's uh, get right into it. Um, let's start off with, uh, what should we do? Let's do Europa, guys. How, how, does, that, how does that sound? Yeah, I like that. Let's do it. Yeah, Sounds okay. Good. All right, um, yeah. Julian, take it, take it, go for it. So the first game was United-Sevilla. Um, I watched that game, and honestly, United did seem like the better team. Uh, two horrible, horrible defensive lapses cost them the game. And yeah, now it's going to be a Sevilla Inter final. Inter, on the other hand, looked very good in their semifinal. Um, pretty dominant 5 nothing win. D'Ambrosio scored the second goal in the 64th minute, which the commentator said to Stad, I was actually very surprised on. He was the first Italian to score in a European semifinal since the 2010-2011 season. That's, that's crazy. Um, but at the same time, like what other, what other Italian clubs have made it that far, right? Like we can talk Juventus, honestly, like they've made two finals. Uh, but what else, like since, you know, 2010 yeah. when, when Inter won, right? Like, and it wasn't even the funny thing was, it wasn't even an Italian team. It, it was Giuseppe Rossi playing with, uh, Villarreal at the time. Right. Yeah. So, Mike, to your so. point about, about Juventus, uh, it was mostly foreigners that, uh, yeah, that, carried, exactly. that carried Juventus during those years. So, I know Tevez was a big, uh, was a big part in one of them. Uh, Lorente, uh, Menzukic. You know, yeah. it, it, there was no Italian striking ta- talent at Juventus. Yeah, and even, again, in that second one, what is it, uh, 2017 now, um, it would have been, yeah, like Higuain had just come, Dybala was there, and like Murata, I guess, was still there, I believe. Um, and and that's the difference, right? So it's, yeah, it, it, Italian players, I think that kind of speaks to like Italy's, um, the, the I guess the lack of support Italy has had internationally, like with their own, you know, kind of thrown players coming up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of struggled at a national level since realistically... 2010 from that point on they haven't really been successful yeah and and uh, uh 
I want to uh, go back to uh, United. Uh, I just I want uh, I hope everyone goes and looks up the uh, Harry Maguire uh, mistake. It could be what some of the funniest defending <laughs> I've ever seen in my it's life. A, it's a catastrophe. Forget a mistake. It was, <laughs> it was, it's terrible. But go ahead. No, I'm just. I don't know who he was defending. He jumped up to defend no one, and then he he let uh, the severe player come in behind him to, for a tap in. I mean, they paid, was it a world record fee for Harry Maguire? And it just goes to show that how I listen. I love United fans. They're, they're very entertaining with their, uh, you know, delusion, with their delusions. Um, And to me is that they keep saying that it was a success this season. I mean, if you can just call scraping into the Champions League a a success and being not being embarrassed in Europe, a success, go right ahead. uh, All, all the power to you. Paulo, you said the, uh, Sevilla player. That was the ex AC Milan player, Suso. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well done, Julian. I'm very... happy he's gone. So I'd rather we 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 not talk about him. But uh, <laughs> with with regards to Sevilla and and Man U, I think Prem fans, Man U fans, probably believed Man U was going to mm-hmm. win. If you look at the wage bills, Man U is going to win. But let's be real, guys. This this is the Sevilla Cup, not the oh, Europa well, League. Exactly. That's exactly uh, what Let's I was go back say, to Chris. right to when Unai Emre was there. I believe it was three Europa Leagues in a row. Yeah, it, was. Uh, it, it became uh, boring a little bit because we knew what was going to happen. So I was expecting Sevilla to win one way or another, whether it was scrappy, whether it was fun to watch. And they ended up, uh, they ended up coming away with the win. So it'll be interesting to see how them and, and Inter drop in the final. Yeah, so it was... Uh, so Sevilla, I think, have won it five times now. Uh, they won it... Both like so both times or all five times they've won it kind of back to back. So they won in 06, 07, I think it was, and then uh 2015, 16, 17, I believe. Um, but exactly, they, they it's it's the Sevilla Cup now, I think. <laughs> um, and Paulo, so uh, menu paid uh, 95 million for Maguire, so that's uh, euros, uh, euros, yeah, yeah little... euros, yeah, definitely euros, and then it was like 80, 80 something million pounds things 86 million pounds or something like that right 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 that's yeah, a lot so, of nuts that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and not to focus too much on on man use back line because I, I do want to stick to our our, our cultural clubs and our cultural players but Maguire is just one of many terrible purchases at center back <laughs> for Man U, right? Uh, Victor Lindelof was supposed to take him to the promised land. Uh, Eric Bailly was supposed to take him to the promised land. And then Maguire just kind of the uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, yeah yikes. Um, um, we'll jump see. into a preview for the game, though, for Sevilla Inter. Um, realistically, Inter's going to line up the same way they have. It'll be D'Ambrosio right side. Gagliardini is the other midfielder. It's not broken. Yeah, don't, don't need to fix it. Exactly. I mean, I'm. I, I was really impressed with how Inter played uh, against uh, Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, I, I watched the uh, Conte's press conference afterwards, and he and he caught, he was saying that it's not it's not uh, Shakhtar didn't do anything wrong. It's just that we played a near perfect game, and he was right that. Uh, they were they were well drilled. They took advantage of uh, every of every single counterattack that they that they had. Uh, I mean, it goes back to to the fact that Conte is a good manager when he has a full week to prepare, and he doesn't have any league games to contend with. For and sure. and it goes and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mike, but it goes back to uh, his time 
uh, with Italy at the uh, 2016 Euro Cup. And if it wasn't for that penalty shootout, I think Italy would have went, and went to go on to win that cup. It just shows how he's good in uh, single elimination game tournaments. Yeah, I, I mean, I was going to say he that's probably why he kind of constantly is speaking about the schedule, right? And how difficult it can be, especially, you know, Inter, I think we're kind of, um, they were in tough this year because especially when they came back from the break, uh, there was, I mean, everyone had a heavy, heavy schedule coming back from that, but Inter kind of seemed to have a really um, condensed one. Um, But yeah, I mean, to your credit, like, or to your point, uh, he deserves some credit. Honestly, this is, this is going to be his first European final, right? So it's, Mm -hmm. he did something right this, like this week for sure. Um, and I mean, big Rom had, had a big game. Uh, and I mean, even Latauro chipped in, like, and you kind of saw yeah, that he was, that he was, was struggling first, a little like, bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was his first game where he looked like he did at the beginning of the year where you could, the he, reason he, Barca wanted him. That, exactly. He deserved that, that Barca praise, right? Yeah. <laughs> where it looked like where he's worth 111 million euros. Exactly. Yeah. He, like he's worth like a swap with Messi, you know? <laughs> I can't keep pushing that mic <laughs> um, um, but yeah no it was a great game I even I remember like as soon as the second half started commentators were going like yeah like Shakhtar has almost double the amount of passes Inter have kind of trying to say like Inter was just sitting back but I remember watching there was a good two minute spell where Shakhtar literally just passed the ball around and Inter's third they had absolutely nothing it ended up with a shot from like 20, 25 yards out that went over the net. So to Conte's credit, he did a very good job preparing everybody. I thought it was a very good game. I, I, I would agree. And again, it, they I think they were in control from the opening whistle, Julian. I think looking ahead to the final, and I, we talked about this last week, but every every side that's managed by Antonio Conte is going to be organized defensively. That's That's, you know, without a doubt. So I think if Inter gets the first goal in the final, I think it's game over. Um, and not to discredit Sevilla, I think Sevilla is fun to watch. They have def- different attacking options. Uh, but Inter is just so stingy. And, you know, back to what Paulo said, you look at that Euro 2016 side, really had no business getting as far as they did. Yeah. But uh, they performed in large part because teams couldn't break them down. So I think if, uh, if, yeah, if Inter can get a goal, sorry, get the first goal of the match, um, I think that'll go a long way to for them to secure the, the Europa League title. Yeah, sure. and ultimately, that's probably why, again, Inter spent the money for him, right? Like, they, they knew that they, what they were getting, they were going to get a good coach. Um, Absolutely. It's, yeah. uh, it's, again, it's, they're, maybe they didn't finish, you know, oh, actually, they, they finished second in Serie A this year. So I think that's not saying that they, they could have done more, because I think, again, just the way that the, the, title race went at the end there it was it was kind of wide open but yeah i th- i think like again this is this is going to be a successful season for them i, I believe conte's actually said that too he said regardless now you know it, it has been a successful season whereas before sure. you, you can kind of not argue that right yeah for uh, sure i'd i agree i'd consider it successful obviously you wanted to win i'd put the icing on the cake but yeah it's been successful overall yeah, fair. Okay, I, I quickly want to jump into just uh, a Champions League kind of recap here, um, and then we'll kind of move on into, again, we'll, we'll kind of bring back Inter into this. But uh, so what do we have? We had uh, PSG first beating um, uh, Leipzig. Red Bull. Yeah, that was a uh, – Leipzig did not look good. Like, PSG looked good, but Leipzig really did not look good. PSG, they're going to be fun to watch. They will. 
Yeah, for a while, I think, too, right? Especially, I mean, <laughs> we'll see what happens with, again, other transfers and things that come in and out. But uh, I actually, I think what, what I was hearing is that uh, Tego Silver was going to leave. Is that possible? Yeah, so I actually um, uh, I had to, to translate that, uh, that article. And he, well, he basically said, let's focus on the Champions League final. Then we'll talk about my future. He, he basically instructed his, his agent saying, don't bother me with any, any transfer stuff. Let me focus on the game. And then afterwards, we'll make the right decision. Right, fair. So uh, from, not, from, what I've been, from what I read is that Fiorentina seems to be the most interested. Um, Thiago Silva is, uh, is trying to push um, for a move back to Milan. But I think, I think Milan is going to only sign Ibra for their, uh, to keep with their uh, policy in signing young players so they can create uh, a profit on them if they do end up moving on. Um, right. Which, to me... Maldini has the right as the right system. I'll let the the, the resident Milan fan comment on that later. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think it's the the right the right move for Milan. But if if Fiorentina can pull off uh, signing Thiago Silva on a free transfer, I think uh, that would definitely help Fiorentina uh, in the, in the upcoming season. Um, and also, I just wanted to to, to touch on the uh, the links back to Syria, uh, Marquinhos. Former former Roma defender scoring an all important goal in that game. Uh, I just you know I just I, I feel sorry for for Roma fans for for their you know nine years of of being in the wilderness. Uh, it's just you know selling selling a defender a defender you know who's now proven that he can play at the highest level for um, I think it was between twenty and thirty million euros and now he's worth you know sixty to seventy million euros. I mean, to me, that's that just goes to show how how badly Roma fans wanted uh, Palotta out, and and then we'll have uh, we'll discuss more about Icardi. But you know, I, I, I think Inter will uh, I think Inter fans will take uh, Lukaku and hopefully winning a, a Europe, uh, Europa League trophy than than having uh, Icardi still on their team. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Fair. And Paul, to your point with Marquinhos, I think we would all agree he was exceptional against Leipzig. Um, and you noted he he was a defender, and I guess you know by trade he is, but he was playing as a holding midfielder against Leipzig. I thought he was exceptional there, and it was it was interesting to see how that worked out tactically. Uh, but it just goes to show you his progression as a player because he was probably only labeled as a center back when PSG first bought him from Roma. And now he's playing in that holding midfielder role for a huge club in PSG. And I, I would expect him to start there in the Champions League final. So it's uh, not to add uh, salt to the wound for Roma supporters, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sh- they're definitely missing him now. Yeah. And I, I guess now too, again, just to talk about PSG in general, it's, it's going to be, I think we, we kind of always expect them to do well, right? And now they finally made it to a final. Uh, so it's going to be interesting, but I think they have uh, <laughs> they have, I think they have their work cut out for them because they're going to face Bayern, right? Like that's it's a behemoth, a behemoth. So I guess let's talk about Bayern quickly too, like the Bayern and Lyon game. I, I think from the opening, well, not for opening whistle, the majority of the game Bayern was was in control, player for player. Of course, Bayern's going to outdo Lyon, and Bayern just hasn't missed a beat since the post-COVID lockdown. It seems like every game they're getting better and better. 
and if if I'm if if I'm an opponent, that's that's scary. And you know, we we spoke about Alfonso Davies and his past performances. I don't think he stood out per se in this last match, but that just goes to show you that uh, Bayern didn't need to rely on him. And guys like Serge Gnabry got to dominate the game a little bit more. And it's fun to watch him play. And I think the scary thing, just to wrap up my point, is that as strong as Bayern is right now and they're dominating, is they're, they're young. They're, they're young. The young core exactly. that's going to be there for five, six, seven years in a, in a perfect world. So it, it's scary to think that not only are they exceptional and probably the best team in the world right now, but it can stay that way for, for years to come. Yeah, and I don't know if it really had anything to do with it. I know a lot of people were talking about, oh, how you know two German teams or, or two French teams, et cetera, were kind of the final four. And, and they're, they just happened it happened to be those two leagues that kind of wrapped up a little earlier. But again, you can't deny Bayern's just success is, is merited completely. Right. And PSG, I think, again, they, they've always, I think they just took advantage of a time where uh, it was favorable for them to kind of find a path. Um, And again, I I don't know that they'll be successful in, in the final. I think Bayern again is going to take it, but uh, who knows? Maybe, Maybe they, maybe this is the year that, you know, something big can happen for them because again, you see, people like Verratti, you know, uh, I think Verratti came on because he was hurt, right? So Yeah, he's been mm-hmm. mega injury, I think. Right. So I don't know if, he, if he'd start necessarily, but again, someone like, you know, they, they make these big signings, right? And they, they kind of grab these these stellar players and they kind of never really find that success. So maybe this is the year. Yeah. Okay. Let's, um, let's uh, pivot back for a second. So I, we were talking Europa, we we're talking Inter. Um, and I think uh, one of the contentious uh, discussion points that we were talking about ourselves in our thread, in our texting thread um, was uh, regarding, you know, who <laughs> do you, do you want, you know, a rival team of yours uh, to be successful in Europe, right? So, like, let's for in this specific case, let's talk about Inter going to the final in Europa. Uh, Julian here is is the Inter Milan fan, um, the only good guy. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the... Mike. Can you can you kick Julian now, or how does it work? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah here, let me let me actually boot him from this chat here. Maybe that's, uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, now we can begin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, like it's. Do you do you support you know your just because just because they're the the last last Italian team or they're you know their Italian team they make it to a final um, is that I mean I I know my answer uh, but Julian what, what what would you say I I know for sure I, I'm I'm gonna pull out all the receipts here tonight so let's uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah no that's fair um, I mean when Juve was going to their Champions League finals I wanted them to go as for as far as they could in the competitions just for the sake of the coefficient but I always wanted them to lose in the final. Um, in terms of other teams, however, though, like whenever it was <laughs> Napoli, Roma, Atlanta, I was honestly I was cheering for them. I think that's just I, my take, but no, fair. And I think like when I, that's what I was going to say is I, I know for a fact when Juve was in those finals, like you were not <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no. anywhere close to supporting <laughs> them, which is again, it's understandable. I get it, and, and I think yeah. all of us were kind of uh, we were. I think we all kind of jumped on the Atlanta. Uh, bandwagon a little bit this year too if like how could you not not? exactly right so it's I think there might be degrees to this Paula what do you think okay personally uh, I I like going back to the coefficient point uh, especially when coefficient mattered you know a few years ago now that Italy has 
uh, four teams secured uh, in the in the Champions League. But you know, it's not secured that they'll be in the Champions League group stage. You know, some teams may have to go through the playoff round, and we all know that teams that go through the playoff, Italian teams that go through the playoff rounds, don't always make it in the group stage. Just look at, I remember Udinese is a perfect example when they had to play Arsenal uh, in, in, in the Champions League playoff. I mean, the, the purpose about um, cheering on uh, Serie A teams is not that the fact that, you know, you want them to win. You want them to win for the fact that they'll indirectly be helping your team in the future if your team needs that help. I mean, it, 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 you people... Are, are looking at this too narrowly, okay? I understand as a fan, you, you want to be passionate. You got to support the team. That's more team no matter what, you know? <laughs> and, and, and to me, that is, short side, that is short-sightedness. And that kind of, that frustrates me because then, then, then they start to complain, oh, well, how come our core coefficient sucks? UEFA's, uh, UEFA's rigged. Uh, they don't want Italian teams, <laughs> Italian teams uh, in in the Champions League, uh, and and they're trying to do everything to to block uh, block Italian teams. Well, then don't complain the next time that your team doesn't uh, doesn't go through the playoff round because you weren't cheering on uh, other Italian teams. I don't want, like that. That argument is is futile. It is useless and it's pathetic. Yeah, but Paulo, I gotta say, like. I think Julian can speak to this probably the best, but, you know, because Juve went to finals and lost finals uh, recently. I think it's it's just got to be, there There has to be something that, like, that lights up inside you when, you know, your, your biggest, most fiercest rival, and in this case, again, Inter Milan is probably, uh, well, no doubtedly, the most, uh, the fiercest rival, I guess, to Juventus because of the whole Calciopoli, uh, you know, Scandal. events of the yeah. scandal of the past right so it's you know that's that's a team that i want to see fail i don't know that <laughs> that means before the final because again i think julian has made this point to me just separately in the past that like it's funny if they go to the final and then lose because the heartbreak is that much better <laughs> <laughs> so i will for, not confirm I... nor deny <laughs> To, to Paulo, to the beginning of Paulo's point about the coefficients and all that, I agree with that. For me, in part, it depends on who they're playing. So I, I, I'm so sick of the whole, of, you know, the Prem is the best and the Prem has the best players and the best clubs and every Prem game is exciting. Anybody can be anybody. I don't buy it. <laughs> I, think all the, I think all the top five leagues in Europe can be exciting uh of course some are going to be more exciting than others but if if inter's playing against arsenal or if atalanta's playing against man city then yes i want that the italian club the city a club to win uh because for me uh it allows me to kind of go and brag about city a bit more and see you know look the city a can beat your top five or your top six prem clubs we don't need you know uh, a two hundred million dollar transfer budget to beat you guys. We can beat you with what we have. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, if Napoli or Juve is playing Trabzonspor or some club from Bulgaria that nobody's heard of, uh, part of me you, you want Trabzonspor. Like, yeah, part of, part of me is going to say because you know, good for the people of Trabzonspor <laughs> if they win, and then I get to rag on 
uh, on Napoli or Juve or whoever it is for another week. So it, it depends um, on, on who they're playing against and, like Julian said, what stage of the tournament they're at. Um, but, yeah, that's what it comes down to for me is who are they playing against? Does, does the match really mean something in the standings? And, uh, and I kind of go from there. Okay, that's fair. I mean, again, you guys make all very salient points here. Uh, Chris, I'm actually going to write that down, though, so that next time that (laughs) Juve is playing an English team, I'm going to expect some sort of Forza Juve text in our thread. there's an there's an asterisk there I didn't uh, I didn't mention but what's before we move on I just want to comment on, on Chris's point no and I I, I kind of agree with Chris's point you know I, I don't want to always agree with everyone here but just for but just for the sake of argument this it's point, just we're always right Paul oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that but, but uh, I I understand your point but it's just that for example uh, I I'd I'd rather see Inter win okay and I'm a Juventus fan but it, the, just for the sake of as as Chris pointed out. I don't want to keep hearing, listening to Premier League fans or other fans of other clubs, especially uh, Real Madrid or Barcelona fans, saying, "Oh, uh, Italians having Italian team haven't won a European competition in ten years." I want Inter Andrew. to win, so they can, so so we can, we they can stop stay, bringing up that useless bloody stat that <laughs> that Italian teams can't win in Europe. I'm tired of hearing that. So that's why I'll be cheering for Inter because I don't, I don't want to hear that anymore. I want that to stop, even though I'm a Juventus fan. Because one day I know that Juventus will create a team good enough to go out and win in Europe. When that, when that day will come, only God knows. Yeah, I, mean, I, yeah I just I, – I can't bring myself <laughs> to, <laughs> no, to want Inter to win. Um Again, I think I'm more I'm more on the heartbreak side. I think that's yeah. that's good. Again, I I like laughing, <laughs> and that's going to be funny to me. <laughs> but Paula, just quickly to your to your point with the no European titles, I see it all the time. I still see it now when Inter fans are celebrating going to the Europa final. Other teams, they're like, "Oh, it's the Mickey Mouse Cup. It's the lesser cup. Nobody cares." Syria needs to get rid of that mentality. Europa yeah, League, at the end of the day, it's still a trophy. You still get prize money from it. You're put in pot one of the Champions League draw the following year. And now, actually, the Club World Cup, they're changing up the format. So they're taking, they're doing it every four years, and they're taking the previous four Champions League and Europa League winners. So it's a 24-team format, and they're taking all those winners. So there is a lot. Just good change. Yeah, and there's like a lot of reason why teams should be going out to win the Europa League. This coming That's... season, for example, there's no reason why Napoli shouldn't be trying to win. I think they'll have one of the stronger squads in the tournament. I don't know. That's just my opinion. No, it's a great point because, I mean, again, you look at, look at all these teams that, uh, you know, who don't have the pedigree of, of you know, the bigger clubs in Italy – um, but who can compete with again? That's that's the whole point of the cup. Like the, this cup is because you want, you still want the teams who might not be on those, you know, the, the same level of spend as uh, a lot of those other teams are, to be able to compete for something, right? And I think having, yeah, like a, a Napoli or someone kind of go through that, and or even Roma, right? Like Roma, what's yeah, exactly. how, how much have they won, right? So if if they can go in and, and uh, dominate a competition like why wouldn't they do that why shouldn't they do that i agree with that i think that's a really good point yeah instead they always hear like oh they're just focused on syria they're trying to make top four but it's like i don't know i think a european trophy at the end of the day is worth it 100 percent. I, I mean sevilla uh 
has again these last five title or these you know five titles that they've gotten in the 2000s right so it's yeah. and and they're able to again they've updated their squad right since since then they've they've been able to bring in tra- like people that like have you know made them more competitive right so it's it's not just again it, it i i can understand what people are saying it's a mickey mouse cup or whatever right it's not you know it's not the champions league it doesn't have the champions league song for sure um maybe we can make a europa league song <laughs> europa <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but again, I think, I think that's, those are, that's a very good point, Julian. Like there's, there's no reason that they shouldn't, uh, be, be targeting that as, as something that, you know, is first of all, uh, achievable and, uh, like a, something that's, that's not worthwhile. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. a great, great point to move uh, move on to our next, uh, next topic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's, uh, let's pivot over to, again, just back to the league, uh, in general. And there's, there was concern coming out. Um, we, we saw from Calgary this week, uh, and there was some, they, they had a retreat, I think scheduled and they actually had to cancel it. Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. That's the delayed because, uh, four of their first team players, uh, tested positive for COVID. And and I saw too that uh, Mirante also tested positive, and he's yeah. on Roma. So like that's it's concerning, um, obviously. It, 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 personally, it's concerning that it makes sense why Mirante didn't play in Roma's last few games, right? And I like uh, I was talking uh, with uh, with some friends of mine uh, today, and to me. Uh, friends, okay. friends, well, friends, <laughs> uh, uh, like uh, other Roma fans, and uh, to me, it's a bit suspicious um, that they are announcing that there are COVID cases after the season was done, right? Uh, and I think they delayed announcing it so they can finish the season, so there wouldn't be any controversy about uh, players having COVID during the season. And that's just, I that's just me. That is that is my 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 view on it. My pessimistic view, my suspicious view on it, and it's real in a, in a sense. It kind of it kind of makes sense because uh, you know just re- at the end of July, the uh, FIGC president uh, Gabriela Gravino was was complaining about something so important as tests, saying that oh it's it's violence against the players that they should be tested every four days. I mean, that's the whole point. Your whole point is that the players don't get COVID so they don't spread so the rest of the, the, rest of the league can continue on. I mean, how, how stupid can you be about complaining about testing players? That is ridiculous. This is a man who is, who is the president of a league and is complaining about testing players because uh, they, they, uh, they don't want to play every three games. Uh, every sorry, every every three days. That is ridiculous, and that man should be ashamed of himself. Well, it, if if the cases spread, Paulo, then yes, he he should be. Um, and I, I mean, think... with, with the whole Mirante thing, was it were they trying to cover something up? If something ever came came forward with that, and that was the case, then I agree. Yeah, he should be ashamed of himself. Until then, we can assume, or maybe we should assume. Mirante got the case, you know, at his leisure. Same with these Cagliari players. I didn't get it from training or from working out, whatever the case is. Um, because I think prior to this coming out about Cagliari, 
you could say that how the FIGC dealt with COVID and with testing and all that was, was pretty good. I mean, the, the final, you know, two months of the season went off uh, without any major concerns that, that I'm aware of anyway. So you would hope that come uh, the middle of September when the, uh, the season kicks off again, that whatever policies they have in place, whatever procedures they have in place, uh, the players feel safe, the managers feel safe, the staff feel safe, that they can not just get through the first couple of months, but get through the entire season without having to take a break um, like some of our baseball friends have had to do. Yeah, yeah, good point. And, and just in general, I think the league needs to, uh, I think, be more transparent with what they're doing with that right so for example like paulo said it, it might be that they were hiding stuff right like so we, we don't really know i think it's i mean not that mirante is a starter necessarily right so it's it's hard to kind of pick him out and be like oh yeah this is evidence that you know they were kind of hiding a lot of stuff but it's um yeah i think like again there needs to be maybe a little bit more just transparency especially if something else happens now right if you see another team come down with, you know, a bunch of cases, um, what are they going to do about it? And I think we have to kind of see that and, and kind of judge it then. But I think for now, hopefully that this is, you know, it kind of goes off and, and this is, this is kind of it. It was just a little, you know, flare up and, and it's done. Um, but I guess we'll see. Well, you would hope so. And, you know, to, to your point, uh, Mike, about, uh, you know, what would happen? Well, uh, I was reading the, uh, the UEFA protocol and, uh, about about COVID, and it's pretty strict. I mean, at some points, uh, a team's risk of forfeiting the match. Uh, I mean, it's not like in Italy where they might delay or postpone the game. Teams, uh, well, uh, UEFA is forcing teams to make a priority that they don't that they don't that there's no outbreak outbreak. Uh, well, so and rightly so, claim, rightly so, they, so. they should yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, there, it should always be safety first. There's no reason to play a game if there's. Uh, if there's a global pandemic and the possibility that you're spreading a deathly illness, you know, mm-hmm. to fellow athletes, right. It's, it just doesn't make sense. So I, I mean, I, sorry, Mike, I was going to say 100%. I agree. It should be about health and safety. And I, I hope I would hope that it is, but Paul, you mentioned UEFA. We know what it's about with them. It's oh. about the do- the dollars and cents. Of course. Of course. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure they have a strict policy in place, but I think that's what it comes back to at the end of the day for them is, are, are we going to make money? Are we going to lose money? So, um, yeah, I, I want to believe it is about health and safety, but, um, based on, you know, decisions they've made in the past on different issues, uh, I'd believe otherwise. Yeah. You know, X-Files, I want to believe. A-Files, let's call it A-Files. A-Files. Yeah. A-Files. Uh, okay, with that, let's uh, let's take a, a quick break here. We'll come back. Um, but on the flip side of the show, we have uh, some more Transformers I think that we're going to discuss. Chris, you got a, a special top five for us. Um, Absolutely. And then again, Paulo's going to jump in with uh, a Serie B minute. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, let's take this time and, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, and I should say, too, before we jump into the transfers, uh, please do not hesitate and please follow us on our social channels. Uh, so at Rete This Way, R-A-T-E This Way, uh, on Twitter and on Instagram, R-T-W Calcio, R-T-W-C-A-L-C-I-O. 
where we again post funny things uh we might post some polls we want to be able to talk to you guys and, and kind of have uh, a little bit of conversation just understand what's uh what you want to hear as well uh so again feel free to follow us and and, and chat with us we're, we're very friendly um we like to laugh we like to make fun of paulo feel free to make fun of paulo all you want um in, in <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right uh il cano 22 on twitter yeah that's it exactly uh pablito um il cano 22 and uh yeah please don't do not hesitate to uh to jump in there okay let's um let's jump into uh transfers now then so uh i guess <laughs> what we what we should start with is uh probably the uh i think the the funniest one too is is what would happen to uh, Lazio uh this week Paulo do you want to take Yeah it so uh supposedly supposedly set the uh, mood set the mood for us be so nice though be nice be, be, yeah. nice. <laughs> be nice so supposedly David Silva had a gentle uh, whatever we want to call it, a gentleman's agreement with Lazio about uh moving moving there and um he he started to ignore their calls, and um, which is the first problem. Which you know, fir- as soon as you know, he they were, he was starting to ghost them a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing like a dating, like in a relationship. You know, if you start yeah, ghosting them, yeah. I think red flags start to go up right away. You know, mm-hmm. and and then uh, I guess uh, this week he signed with uh, officially signed with uh, Real Sociedad. And I think the funniest yeah. the funniest part for me is that. They didn't know until Real Sociedad announced it. Yeah, announced yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, no, that, that's epic. Yeah, I mean, that's an epic, you know, slap in the face. And and Real Sociedad deserves credit for the way they moved on the transfer market. And what's what makes the situation uh, like even funnier is uh, Lazio's comments, like uh, comments from their officials. You know how. Uh, their sporting director Ili Tari comes out and saying that how uh, how he respects him as a as respects David Silva as a player and not as a man, and then you have Lazio's director of communication saying that uh, 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 how a wor- um, giving your word is important. I mean, no, this is a business, as we said in in the first in the first uh, block. Uh, all that counts in in soccer in today's soccer is dollars and cents. All right. And 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 it's and it's rich coming from Lazio, uh, talking about how uh, their word should be respected. They were the ones that wanted to come back and play the finish off this season. Okay, uh, even though Italy was going through was having six thousand people dying, uh, uh, or six people dying every uh, six thousand people dying every week. Okay, and then six thousand case new cases every day during the middle of a pandemic and they were thinking about coming back to play, uh, to play in the league uh, because they had a shot of winning the title. And notice how after they came back, it, there was no talk about how they, they wanted to come back and play and how it was a good idea to come back and play. So, I mean, you know, sometimes uh, there's, a, there's an old saying, karma's a bitch. Well, karma, karma really gave them a good one uh, this time around. The, the way, so, to what you're saying, follow about, uh, how you know Lazio's official comments regarding David Silva and how there was you know this agreement or that? It's kind of like when you, you when you did something wrong when you were young and your parents said you know we're we're not mad we're, we're disappointed. disappointed yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's kind of what I'm thinking about there uh, and just very quickly guys what, I I don't know what's worse so this David Silva 
um, arrangement or, or lack thereof. Or if you guys remember a couple of years ago, Bielsa was actually Lazio's manager. <laughs> I, I swear it was for 24 hours. <laughs> that one. Maybe I might not, I don't even think he landed in Rome and then he was gone. Uh, so I, I part of me <laughs> feels bad for Lazio right now. Uh, and I am still trying to figure out what's worse. And I'll be thinking about that while you guys uh, discuss some other transfer rumors. I'm, I just want to put in, I sympathize with them a little bit just because I'm confused why he chose Sociedad. Like, I know he's Spanish and he's going back to Spain, and I get that. But they're not even a Champions League team next season. Like, he, said figured... he, wanted, he said he wanted Champions League. Yeah, exactly. That's or why that was I'm the rumors, confused, at least. But, I don't know. That's my one question mark. Why he so, I, I'll, I'll jump in here. And I read that his wife wanted to go back to Spain. Uh, I think the his first choice was Valencia, you know, former Valencia player. But now there's also reports that Valencia are struggling to even play their players. So, I mean, Real Sociedad must have came in uh, under the radar, uh, you know, said, okay, well, like, we're a, we're a decent club. We we made Europa League. Uh, you're obviously going to get the number 21 jersey. You're obviously going to play. Uh, I mean... Get the armband, maybe. Get, yeah, exactly. Get the armband. I think everyone, like, professionally, even professionally, like, just in terms of sporting reasons, it was all be- better for him to go to... Uh, Real Sociedad. Who knows if he was even going to start at Lazio, right? You know, so, like, yeah, so you're saying there's there's, uh, there's uh, Luis Alberto, there's uh, Correa. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's Milinkovic Savage. Milinkovic Savage. I mean, is he was he was he going to start game in and game out for Lazio? Probably not. And I don't, well, I don't know. I think he 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 could have pushed for for a starting position. Sure. I, I don't. Think, I think he's better than Correa, to be honest. Yeah, I think he could, but sure. but again, it's a good point though. Like he's th- there's much more challenge on Lazio than there might be elsewhere. But again, it's it's you know whatever he would have preferred. It doesn't really like. And, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm about to go back to to, to Lazio. Just keep on harping a little yeah. bit. Like I find the rich that their fans was like. There's one fan. I don't. I don't want to mention his name because I don't want to give him any uh, any any starlight. But you know, saying that oh. Um, you know, like I want to destroy his statue at City. Uh, <laughs> what a piece of shit he is! This and that. But then he's like, "Oh, but I respect that he made the decision for family reasons." I mean, if you respect the decision he made for family reasons, why are you badmouthing, <laughs> dumbass? I mean, Paulo, like, what, what, Paulo, what, he's what, like lack of lack of <laughs> cognitive ability in, in in some of these Lazio fans. But go on, I, I digress. I was gonna say he's not mad. He's just disappointed. Yeah, he's just disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point, Chris. Listen, at the end of the day. I think what we we've determined here is that again, like Paulo said, Real Sociedad came in and they were kind of like, you know, rate this way, David Silva, rate this way. See what I did there? Okay. I think we just lost our Lazio fan base, though. Perhaps. Hey, listen, honestly, they they might they might surprise us. I think this year too, and bringing bring in someone else because they obviously were, you know, I mean, this was probably going to be a free, obviously, or it was going to be a free transfer, but they might they need to do something. And I think they, they obviously know that they need a a good player. So let's see what happens. I, I saw that they were rumored with like, um, James Rodriguez and bringing Felipe Anderson back. So again, who knows what's going to happen. It, it'd be nice, uh, obviously for them, if they can bring in some top talent and if, uh, Milinkovic Savage isn't going to leave and, you know, he's not going anywhere this season. He's yeah. not I, I, agreed. So again, as long as they can maintain that core, who's to say they're not going to compete next year. For sure, yeah. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's move on. Move on. What do we got next, Paulo? 
Uh, we got uh, Juve and how they're linked to uh, Alessandro Florenzi, which I, I mm-hmm. think I said last last week how I can't wait for what silly rumor comes up next. And uh, I think we have it. Uh, we have uh, we have our silly rumor of the week. And... I don't know. I've seen Lukaku to Real Madrid. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> All right. All right. That, that's, uh, that, that's, that's a contender for sure. Uh... I saw Florenzi and also uh, Kluivert. And Kluivert, yeah. So just, just think about it, how... Uh, they might. Roma wants to add in either Cloyvert for Rugani or Florenzi for Rugani. I mean, in both situations, uh, isn't Juventus kind of winning in in both oh, in both scenarios? Yeah, I was going to say that reminds me of like a monkey transfer. Yeah, exactly. And Imanchi's that almost reminds there. me of like that reminds me of like Arthur for Pjanic a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for for me, I, I still and I know Fonseca's you know, new to Roma, but I think we would all agree, you know, when Totti left, the torch, you know, sort of speak, got passed off to mm-hmm. De Rossi. When De Rossi leaves, the torch, sort of speak, got passed off to Florenzi. For sure. Uh, and not not that he should stay at the club because he's, you know, quote-unquote holding the torch, but I think he still has a role to play at Roma, whether it's as a fullback or as a center mid. So I was surprised they let him go out on loan. Now, we have no idea what went on behind the scenes, but from yeah. what we know, it's a surprise. No, and I agree. I would be even more surprised to see if they sold him to Juve of all clubs for Rugani in return. Especially when, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. especially when Bruno Perez is their, currently, like their current starting right back. Yeah. And he's Again, the world beater, right? But there's yeah. something, but to Chris's point, something must happen there. Like he... He he couldn't have fallen off that much that uh, you know they wanted to ship him out and that's what they did. Like he he for sure. Um, again, there, there's got to be something beyond what kind of well, what we're, we're seeing. So and, to your and, point, I mean, Mike. Uh, yeah. so, sorry about jumping in, but to your point, I was reading uh, that uh, uh, Paulo Fonseca, the coach, the manager, uh, liked the tweet or or saw an Instagram post saying to sell uh, Florenzi. So. To your, so mm-hmm. to your guys' point, there something must have be must have gone on behind the scenes that we don't know that that maybe the dynamic between player and coach uh, isn't very good, and and the coach made a decision to get rid of him. So I mean that that could be that could be just the case, and and it'd be interesting to to see how this rumor develops. Yeah, and again for for Rugani, not not to just you know crap on the guy, but uh, he really hasn't he hasn't found himself. He hasn't done himself any favors in Juve. Like he, he's, he hasn't developed uh, to what people were expecting him to. And I, again, it's it's just, I, I think he, I think he, honestly, he could probably do well at Roma. So I mean, that might be, that might be a positive for them. But I don't think it's worth it to send, um, you know, some of their more promising people or, or just someone like a Florenzi who is. Uh, again, like Chris said, like he's he he's currently the you know the torchbearer, right? So it's it's mm-hmm. a little it'd be a little strange if that ended up happening. But again, they were there was even rumors that Rugani was going to go to Arsenal or something for Bellerin, right? So who knows? I think Rugani is just the name that everyone's throwing around. There's a possibility everywhere where there's you know someone might need a center back or whatever, and and clearly Juve want to sell. So it's it's not. Um, I don't think this is a for sure, but hey, like Paul said, it could be the silly one for the week. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 <laughs> pers- and personally, uh, you know, I don't, I don't uh, rate uh, Premier League players very highly, but I'd rather take <laughs> Hector Bellerin over over Alessandro Florenzi, uh, just just in terms of of uh, of playing ability. I mean, I, uh, I think 
uh, Bellerin would fit in better into the Juventus squad than than Florenzi, in my opinion. Fair yeah, enough. maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we still have time for a few more transfer rumors. Uh, I know, guys, you were discussing Javi Martinez from Bayern, you know, potential Champions League winner. We'll see. Uh, what's um, <laughs> what's the latest with him? Uh, is there a Serie A club or Serie A clubs that we could see him uh, linked with? I read recently, actually, that Ribery was trying to convince him to go to Fiorentina as well. So it seems Frank. like it seems like Comiso is actually trying to build a good Fiorentina squad, which I actually <laughs> I appreciate. Fiorentina, who knows? They might be challenging for Europa League spot next year. Well, I mean, with that, because again, uh, I, I watched the, uh, quite a few games with Fiorentina this season, and they lacked depth. I mean, their only their only good player in that midfield was Castrovilli. And even then, I mean, he's a young player and only uh, only starting to make his name uh, this season. And mm-hmm. they they need help in midfield. They need help at center back. Uh, we talked uh, in the last block about Thiago Silva. I mean, if they make uh, a, a couple of uh, good signings in each area of the field, um, for sure, then we have to start considering Fiorentina as a challenger for the European uh, Europa League spots. Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, young squad. Um, hopefully, if they bring in some experienced players, uh, super super experienced manager in Beppe Iacchini. Mm-hmm. Um, stay tuned for my list of uh, top five Serie A managers. <laughs> he mm-hmm. may or may not be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Great plug. All right, it's uh, what else we got? I think uh, we were talking about Napoli earlier, and we were talking about uh, how. Kulubali. I mean, he Kulubali's been on everyone's, I think, transfer list for a bit too. Like, I mean, just in general of like, okay, we need a center back who's, you know, yeah. Who's every year there's a rumor for Kulubali. Yeah, mm. yeah, and I think again, I can see how a couple of years ago uh, he was he was playing out of his, out of his mind when Napoli was contending for uh, Serie A. Like, there was no denying that he was one of their strongest players um now i I think it's again he's not that he's totally fallen off a cliff but uh i think there's just a little i think this that squad just kind of weakened a little bit and maybe that's why they're looking to you know bring ship him out especially if they can get the same money for him right i'll just off right off the bat mike I, i agree so yes under Saudi he was playing better and therefore you know worth more in the transfer market i think a move to City, which, uh, if you guys remember, I mean, Pep was a, a super, super big fan of Sadi when he was at Napoli and the way they were playing. So if he goes to Pep, plays a similar style, I think Koulibaly will finally get the credit and the recognition he deserves. Uh, I've been saying probably for about two years now that he's the best center back in the world. Uh, I know Van Dyke gets all of the the attention because he's playing on a, you know, Prem champions, yeah. uh, you know, you know, current champions league holders uh, and all that fun stuff. But I think Koulibaly does everything you want in a center back. He's just not as tall as Van Dyke and he's not playing um, at a club that gets as much attention, um, you know, around the world, let alone Europe. So I think uh, him going to city would be, would be fantastic for him in terms of getting more attention. Um, I would love for him to, to stay in Serie A because I think he's, like I said, I think he's the best center back in the world. And I think for strikers to get to go up against him twice a season uh, should be a challenge they want to take on, but that's my take on him. I, I hope he stays, but 
for his sake, if he goes, he'll finally get the, the recognition he deserves. Yeah, that's a good point. And again, Pep can, Pep can obviously bring that out of him, I think too, right? There, there's, there's no denying that again, he, a couple of years ago, there was, there were very few people who, who would get by him and, and actually kind of, uh, you know, tear him down in, in, in defense. And I think, I think you're right. Like there's, there's something about the premier league, obviously that uh, just shine. Like it's the, the, the largest spotlight is shining there. Right. So it's mm-hmm. that, that can for sure immediately, if, especially if they spend city spends like 70 million on more than that, 80, 80, whatever it is. Right. Like that could, that could skyrocket. Right. If he, if he has a great season. Uh, I mean, uh, to your point, uh, both of you that, you know, he, he's kind of, um, you know, gone down, had a down season uh, this season. And, you know, he was playing, remember, he was playing with Raul Abuel for uh, the majority of that time when Sarri was there. And mm-hmm. and he left, he went back to Spain, and now he's playing with uh, Miksimovic. I mean, it, it's no coincidence that his downturn coincided in uh, when he had to switch um, his, uh, he had to switch with his playing partner. You know, uh, you can argue that Miksimovic is not, at Raul Abuel's level, he's he's not a, a Spanish international. He's not able to, um, you know, pass the same way as Raul Abuel did. So, I mean, in my opinion, uh, Napoli has to uh, strengthen their defense. Has to sign another another defender, and I think they're looking at that uh, uh, this transfer window. And uh, I mean, if uh, I want to tie it in with uh, with Gabriel, I mean, it seems like that he's going to Arsenal. So. I think Koulibaly will eventually end up staying at Napoli because uh, I think Napoli had uh, first refusal, where it was given first refusal by Lille. So uh, it seems that all direct all signs are pointing towards uh, Gabriel to, to Arsenal. Right. Yeah, I, I think again, it's uh, to Chris's point. I think it, it would be nice to see him elsewhere. But I mean, if he stays, or you know, Chris wants wants him to stay in Serie A, I again. Napoli isn't doing him any favors. I think at the end of the day, we kind of can uh, appreciate they have, you know, the Animale Gattuso as their uh, <laughs> head coach. And again, I, I tactically this year, I think he, uh, he found his way eventually. Um, but yeah, again, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say kind of what, uh, to your point, Paulo, like what, you know, if you're going to pair him with someone else that someone, with you know similar quality right can can he kind of find his form again but yeah it remains to be seen i guess all right what else yeah go ahead chris i was gonna say paulo do you want to uh lead us off with our her uh genoa transfer rumor it's been a there's usually not too much happening with Genoa that's uh, headline worthy, but uh, I think we've you've got something here yeah so i've been reading a lot uh, a lot of uh rumors uh are coming or being creative about how they want to sign, uh, bring back Jovinko uh, oh, to yeah. Syria. Sir- yeah, a nice blast from the past, Sebastian Jovinko, former uh, TFC and Juventus uh, player. I mean, it, it would be it would be great for you know for us for who grew up in that era to to see him back in Syria and watch him week in week out. Uh, I think I think it'd be a good signing. I think uh, for sure he has to if he really wants to come back. Genoa cannot afford. Uh, you know, his salary, uh, I think he's playing in, in Saudi Arabia. Definitely cannot afford at least, you know, seven, uh, eight million dollars a season. Uh, so I, yeah. I think he has to make a personal decision to come back to Italy. And yeah, he's, he's playing in Al Hilal, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. 
and uh, I so I, I I mean I hope I hope it, it's um you know positive ending that we do see uh, Jovinko in Syria, but uh, for, as of right now, I think it's unlikely. We'll see. It, w- it would it... be. Ne- I was yeah, just sorry, saying, go, like, go ahead, Chris. It, no, go ahead. it would it would be nice to for him to come back. I want to say he's made his money by now. He was a designated player at Toronto FC, right, yeah. for all those years. Uh, won an MLS Cup, won a Supporters Shield, and I want to believe that he's not playing for chump change in Saudi Arabia. I'm sure he's getting a nice paycheck there as well. So it'd be nice for him to come back to to Serie A and, and play for a club like Genoa. But uh, like you said, Paul, I think he'd have to. Uh, bite the bullet, so to speak, with his wages and, and take less than what he's probably expecting. Yeah, and I think that's what they were saying too. And there was even rumors about, again, Genoa, but there was also possibilities with Parma, right? Because he was at Parma before when he was on loan. Yeah. Um, so who knows? We'll see what uh, what happens with him. It'd be Like you said, Paulo, it'd be nice to see him back, right? Yeah. He's, I, I, I always loved his pace, right? He was always... Uh, for what do sure. they call him? The the atomic ant. Yeah, the atomic, <laughs> the atomic ant. ant yeah. I'd be interested to see how he looks because I mean we know yeah. MLS isn't the level of Serie A. Same with where he's playing now. So I I'm kind of interested to see how he would transfer back to Serie A. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, Sorry, Mike, but they Genoa desperately need um, a player of his qualities. Um, For sure. I watched I watched a lot of uh, Genoa games because I'm very interested in the bottom half of uh, of the Serie A table, and they were um they struggled offensively there were some games where they looked disjointed they had nothing going forward um and uh you know they can't continue to keep relying on on uh you know an aging Gorham Pandev and uh the only only bright spot in in their in their attack is uh, Andrea Pinamonti who they signed from Inter and Julian can mm-hmm. speak more to uh, more about him um <laughs> and and they desperately lacked depth up front, I mean, when when your when your first sub for for your attack is Gorm Pandev, you got a problem. For sure, I watched a few games as well. I thought Lasse Shano from Ajax would be a very good signing for them, but he didn't really do much for them in the midfield. Yeah. Um, in terms of Piedmonti, I know Inter have a <laughs> another gentleman's agreement with yeah, whatever that Genoa. Means. Yeah, whatever that means uh, that they are going to sign him either this summer or next summer. I would take him as a fourth striker on Inter, but I don't know what that current plan is. I haven't really heard any rumors regarding that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. No, 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 Pandev scored nine goals <laughs> this year. Uh, Sanabria yeah. scored six, and then Pinamonti was at five. So yeah. he was, you know, yeah. and then, be, it'd, that'd be a good move. And then Keep in mind, though, I think Genoa, yeah. they go through three coaches. Yeah. I know, yeah, Gro- I mean, or not, uh, Chego Mato was the coach at one point, but I know yes, he was sacked yeah, after. I think, I think uh, uh, Aurelio Andretzoli, who former Roma coach, former Ampli coach, was uh, started off the season. And yeah. then it was Tiago Mota, and then uh, they ended up with Davide Nicola. Uh, yeah. But I think, they're again, their fourth player uh, in their attack, I mean, you can call him a winger, you can call him a midfielder, but he, he mostly played up front was uh, Iago Falca, and he, he didn't score any goals. And then they had Mattia Destro. I don't, he didn't. I don't think he scored any goals. <laughs> oh. So I mean, you know, they definitely... talking about players who fell off of a cliff. <laughs> yeah, why exactly. did they? Why did they ever sell both Piontek because he was doing really well for them, and then Kuame as well. Like they, they the had money, two obviously. good strikers, and they got well, rid of Kuame both. Kuame went to Fiorentina, and they sold him injured. Actually, he I don't think yeah he, he tore his ACL exactly. Yeah, so I don't think he has played. Uh, correct, um, I could be wrong, but I don't think he has played a game yet for Fiorentina. So no, he has. He scored a couple goals, I think, down the stretch. He did. Okay, there you go. There you go. I stand corrected. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, again, at the end of the day, Genoa need the help because they were only four points from relegation this year. Um, and they only, and they only uh, you know, uh, secured it on the last game of the season. So Right, with the win, yeah. The, yeah. So, I mean, again, Jovinko, they're, they're calling you. They need you. Let's... Uh, Let's, see what you can do. Nice to, yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to see. Uh, before we before we move on to uh, Chris's uh, segment, I just want to get Chris's take on uh, the latest uh, Ibra uh, developments. And uh, and I, w- I was reading about uh, a left back uh, to 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 kind of back up uh, Te- um, Teo Hernandez. I just want to get Chris's take on that uh, development. Yeah. So I'm a fan of Ricardo Rodriguez. I'll I'll come out and, and start with that. I guess I was. Not disappointed to see him loaned out, but I get it. He's still at a prime part of his career. He he wants minutes, so I get that. I also get Milan's board uh, and wanting them wanting uh, a deputy for for Teo Hernandez. So happy for R- Ricardo Rodriguez to go to Torino. I think he'll fit in well there, especially with Marco Giampaolo taking over the reins there. I'll be interested interested to see who Milan brings in because at the end of the day, that player knows that they are really a deputy and nothing more. As long as Hernandez is healthy, he's going to play. We saw how effective he was for Milan this year down that left flank. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, whether it's a veteran player that can step in when needed or whether they continue with the youth movement and try to continue to develop somebody else who potentially challenges Hernandez for minutes in uh, the coming years. So before we move on to Ibra, the name that I read was uh, Matias Vina from Palmeiras. So, uh, I'm not I'm not an expert on the Brazilian league, but I would assume that he's a young player, a young Brazilian player with uh, you know expectations. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to go in in depth because, as I said, I'm not an uh, expert on the Brazilian league. But to your point, Chris, you're probably one of those young players who will know his role and and will will challenge uh, Teo Hernandez for his, his starting role. Ideally, that's what we'd be looking for. So we'll see what Maldini and Co can can drum up in the next few weeks. But uh, I would love to get your take on uh, on the latest uh, Ebra developments. I know we we touched upon um, uh, upon them uh, last week, uh, but now I think I am hearing that the a deal could be a lot closer. So just uh, just to recap what uh, what you said last week, there, Chris. Yeah. So f- for those that weren't able to tune into episode one, just quickly, for whatever fee or whatever wages, rather we bring Ebra back in on. I'm all for it. And it's not because of what he brings to the club on the field. It's what he brings on the field. It plays a part of it, but it's what he does off the field with his mentality and his attitude and his intangibles and ideally his leadership with guiding what is still a super young club. So that's why I'm all for that signing. And if he happens to to score a brace against Juve or Inter, then I'm even more worth it. (laughs) (laughs) He almost did a good center, I think, but Inter still came back that game. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's a great uh, a great segue into uh, into your uh, your segment, Chris. And uh, I'm interested to hear who are your uh, your top five managers in Syria. Yeah, so I'm I'm super excited about this, guys. Uh, top five Serie A managers. I hope there's banter that comes with this. Uh, again, as Mike mentioned at the at the top of the the second part of our of our episode here. If you disagree, let me know. I'd love to have a conversation with you guys. If you agree, let me know. Uh, we can also have that conversation as well. So I'll start off with number five. And 
I'm going to go through my list, guys. And then at the end, I'll very quickly give you my criteria because I know some people are going to be banging the table when they hear my list. Uh, but my criteria might uh, hopefully settle you settle you guys down. Okay, because uh, so I was, <laughs> was going to ask. I was going to say, like, Pirlo's number one. But obviously. <laughs> <laughs> let, let's wait. We don't know yet, Mike. Yeah, fair. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mike, has, Mike has left the chat. <laughs> yeah. Booted. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so at number five, guys, I have Marco Jump. Paulo. Now, for Milan fans, you'll recognize him. We gave him about five, five, maybe six games before he got the boot. Uh, it didn't look good for those first five or six games. So why is he on this list? We know that he had a successful time um, prior to um, coming over to Milan. He rejuvenated um, Quagliarella at Sampdoria. They had a great season there, finishing in 10th before he came over. He also had some successful transfers in there with Dennis Pratt coming in, who was another key player. And I'm excited for him to move to Torino and hopefully rejuvenate Andrea Bellotti. I feel like if he was able to uh, help Qualiarella win the Capo Canieri, I'm not saying Bellotti's at that level and has a chance at winning the Capo Canieri, but it'll be interesting to see how he implements his 4-3-1-2 or 4-diamond-2 at Torino. And I think he's done well at Sampdoria. I still think the Milan board should have given him more time. Um, that being said, I'm happy with uh, how Pioli finished the season. Uh, so at number four, Roberto De Zerbi. So Sassuolo's current manager. Now, small little thing here. When I first heard of De Zerbi, this was at Foggia. Um, so Seti Seaside, he was working a 4-3-3 with these players and they were playing attractive football. Um, this was at a time when there seemed to be an idea that only, you know, Serie A or Prem or La Liga or Bundesliga clubs could play attractive possession style football. The uh, ZB was already implementing a, a possession style at Foggia. Um, if you haven't seen clips of them, go and look them up. Like I said, fun to watch. Um, also had a tenure at Palermo. Didn't last long, like most managers at Palermo. So <laughs> I just kind of looked past that one. Uh, also had a season at Benevento. Um, which wasn't super successful, but um, for those of us that have watched Sassuolo played, um, he's rejuvenated Berardi. I think Berardi needs to get called up to the national team. And Jeremy Boga is looking like one of the most dangerous wingers in all of Serie A. Um, at the same time, Locatelli, young player, being linked with bigger clubs. You I think this? part of that, yes, uh, Piemonte Calcio. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think part of that has to get attributed to Dezerbi and the style that he's playing. Uh, and you guys, he's still only 41. So super young manager. I know a lot of people are high on Nagelsmann right now be, with his success and how young he is. I think the ZB needs to get similar credit anyways. Um, so at number three, uh, we were bashing hard on Lazio earlier in the show, Julian. Uh, maybe we lost some listeners. Maybe we didn't. But I've, I have Simone Inzaghi here at number three. Maybe I should have put him at number one. But Simone Inzaghi, Inzaghi number three. Um, He's finally better than his brother at something. We all know people was the better player. Uh, Simone has been the better manager, and we spoke a bit about that last week. But uh, for a guy who was initially a caretaker manager, guys, I think he's been super successful at Lazio. Uh, almost 200 matches and charges now. Uh, Milinkovic-Savic is still there. Uh, two years ago, I would have said he's out the door, but 
obviously Milinkovic Savic is happy with the direction the club is going in. He's happy with Inzaghi. So that needs to get attributed to him uh, and that three, five, two system, right? Uh, that's kind of Lazio's identity. Now they're what they're known for. Uh, I don't know if they had a true identity before Inzaghi implemented that three, five, two at number two, our friend Julian in Antonio Conte now super successful at Juve. Number I one. think, I don't think I don't think we need to review uh, Conte's resume from his time at Juve. Uh, good first season with Inter, of course. I think they'll challenge for the Scudetto next year. Again, he's implemented that identity with a three-five-two, organized defensively, um, and even going further back past his time at Juve. Uh, good seasons with Badi, uh, promoting them actually to Serie A. Also worked with Siena and Serie A. So we'll move on to number one. My number one manager in Serie A is, of course, none other than Stefano. No, it's not Stefano. Pioli. It's it's Giampiero Gasparini. All right. Uh, We're looking at a club where, and again, we talked about this last week. They have a transfer budget the size of championship sides in the EPL or lower table EPL clubs. Here he is, second, third place finish in a row in Serie A. Took PSG to the brinks. They lose their top players year after year, replace them with younger players on the cheap, and he's still able to play at a high level um, and begging in goals week after week. So um, that's my top five list. So again, it's Gasparini at one, Conte at two, and Zaghi at three, Dezedbi at four, and then Giampaolo at five. Um, so for everybody banging the table now, I just want to give my criteria very quickly. So the three big things I was looking at, was their success with Italian clubs, regardless of the division. So you could argue that maybe Fonseca with Roma could have been in there. It's only been one season. I haven't seen enough for him yet to be on this list. Um, Gattuso, I don't think merits a spot on this list yet. Um, My second criteria, guys, was brand of football. Is it attractive? Are they fun to watch? Uh, The third one is, do they have their team playing to their potential or are they exceeding it? Um, so just to touch on Gattuso very quickly, I think with Milan, they maybe met their potential with Napoli. Maybe they met their potential. So, uh, until he can elevate a side, um, I don't know if he merits a spot in the top five, but happy to have that discussion with, um, with our listeners. Uh, I mean, I, I, could I, uh, I like to go first here. Um, okay. So I don't disagree with your top four. Maybe they could be placed differently. Who knows? But, uh, uh your top four to me. I have no uh, no disagreement with. It's the number five pick that I want to take issue with. Uh, I don't think uh, Marco Giampaolo deserves to be in the top five. I think either Mihailovic or Berto Deserva, uh, Dervesa deserves to be in there. You can we can argue on who of the two deserves to be there, but both of these ma- of the two managers that I mentioned have taken teams that potentially could be relegated uh, without them. Uh, if you look at at Bologna and and Sinisa Mihalovic, he has been introducing young players that we've never heard of, uh, uh, the uh, Gambians, Gambian internationals that I've never heard of. Yeah, Inter uh, found that out firsthand. Ex- ex- exactly. There you go. Yeah, and and he uh, you know pulled points that probably won Juventus the title. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if you actually want to take a look, break it down, you know, uh, I mean, two Gambian internationals that uh, well, one played for for Atalanta, uh, which is uh, Musa Barro, and the other one was uh, uh, Juara. I mean, uh, uh, he's been introducing young pl- young players. Uh, for example, at Milan, he introduced uh, uh, Gigi Donnarumma, 
when he was uh, 16, 17. Uh, I mean, uh, he, uh, he also has a brand of football that, that has associated with him. He always plays the, uh, the four, uh, the four, three, three or a variation of that. So I think he, he should be included in, in, in the conversation. And the reason why I mentioned Roberto De Zerba is that um, he's been at Parma since uh, they were in, uh, in Serie D, if I'm not, mis- if I'm not mistaken, uh, three straight, um, three straight promotions. Uh, one of the first teams to do so in Italian history into footballing history. And uh, he's been there for three or four years. Uh, I mean, uh, that's unheard of uh, in, in Syria uh, these days. Uh, you know, uh, he has his own brand of football, uh, very attacking uh, with the players that Parma signs. Um, you know, jo- uh, Jovinko, uh, sorry, Jovinho, sorry, Jovinho uh, <laughs> is, is, is there, plays another, again, another variation of a, of a 4-3-3. And I think that, that he plays attractive football. Just, just, uh, just look at the way that Parma challenged in the first half of the season. Uh, that they were in, you know, Europa League uh, positions and and kind of fell off halfway through the season. But that's because of the lack of depth that they had in that team. And I think if they make a couple of good signings, I haven't haven't read anything yet. Uh, maybe because it's a bit too early. But uh, I'm I'm hoping that uh, you know he pulls off another another good season uh, again next season. Julian, yeah. Go ahead. I, yeah, go ahead, Julian. Yeah, I'm kind of – I don't know if I agree with Jim Paolo. I think he's still – I think he's a good manager. I think he needs another shot somewhere. He struggled at Milan. Um, I just want to give a shout-out to Ivan Juric with Verona because, mm-hmm. I mean, they were a recently promoted team, and before the lockdown, they were challenging for European spots. I know they weren't playing the most attractive style of football, but – I mean, they were able to get a win at Juventus. I don't know. I think he just deserves a little bit of credit for what he's yeah, done with um, them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike, before you jump in, and uh, all valid points, Paulo, Julian, likewise, uh, just to, to back up my fifth pick here, uh, I think Giampaolo's before, you know, prior to Milan, he was most uh, widely recognized for his time at Sampdoria. I think most people forget he managed Empoli and actually finished higher than Sadi did during his time at Empoli. So I think that needs to be considered as well. Uh, again, when you, when you review the criteria that I was specifically looking at, but all valid points. And again, happy to continue the discussion. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like what you mentioned about Quag, right? Like that's that's such, he, <laughs> not that he was, uh, again, he, he was kind of transient at that point when he went to Samp, right? And you're right, he, he, he found a place there and he was allowed to kind of, become that leader and get capital, right? Like there's, uh, he did, uh, and I, maybe that is the coach, right? That, that brought that out of him. Um, and you're right. Like he's, who did you say? Berardi, right? No, he's, or no, that's, that was the, um, Deserby. that was Roberto. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking Balotti would be his next. Balotti. Kind of Balotti. Project, Balotti right? yeah. 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 I can see, I can see that him being like the next, like that. There's a lot more potential there because Balotti someone who, was rated so high a couple of years ago, right? And <laughs> they wanted a hundred million for him. A couple. Of they years. wanted a hundred million for him. They weren't going to sell him unless it was for a hundred million. And now I think they take 10, 10 pounds, right? So it's <laughs> well, um, maybe not ten pounds. But <laughs> again, the points there. Like I think there's, uh, like Julian said, give him another year and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Deserbi. I think we were talking about Berardi. Like Berardi was someone who was also. Um, 
you know, who kind of lost that like sparkle too. And I think you're right that he brought that back out of him. I like your number four pick. Um, also, I should say that you said he's 41. Uh, mm-hmm. Confirmed, he is 41. But guess who else is 41? Not My Pierlo. Man, Andrea Pierlo <laughs> is also 41. Uh, no, no, I won't. Uh, I won't harp on Pierlo too long. Again, we literally know nothing about Pierlo as a manager. He'll get, he'll get his badges, then we can critique him. Exactly. And then exactly once he's actually technically a coach. After the season starts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I. I it's the, I just want to redeem myself with some of the Lazio, Lazio fans here. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due. And yes, Simone Inzaghi has took Lazio uh, and gave him an identity, uh, made Lazio a team to be feared. And that's something hard to do. Uh, and, you know, it, them making the Champions League uh, this season after 13 years away, I remember the last time, uh, I watched uh, Lazio uh, play in the Champions League when Marco Balotta was still uh, was still playing in goal for uh, for Lazio, the 43 year old goalkeeper. I don't know if uh, that if you guys remember that, but I mean that is that is an accomplishment of itself, and and I think Lazio fans are lucky to have you know Simone Inzaghi as their manager. Yeah, and to that point too, Paulo Simone Inzaghi, he he like you said, they, he gave him. An identity, and they've like the past couple seasons. When was it? I think they in twenty eighteen was it first, uh, and then last year as well, twenty nineteen. Yeah, they beat Juve, yeah, in two Supercoppa Italianas. So, yeah. so like that's, and it was it was never. I mean, we we knew that Juve was getting weaker, but it was they were merited, right? They they deserved those wins. So he, he brought them into, again, a little bit more prominence. And I think that's, uh, I think Chris, that's another great pick at number three. Um, Conte, I'm going to say, no, it's a terrible pick. He's a cheater. <laughs> uh, I think he got, uh, he caught. Uh, Do you mean steroids we... or Calciopoli? Uh, a lot of other, like a lot of things. Yeah, I think the hair plugs, the hair is fake. Uh, there's a lot of things that he cheats at. Uh, take his star away in the Juve Museum. No, no, I, I, I get it. There's no denying he was again. He was the reason that uh, Inter did so well this year. I think there's, I mean, besides sure. kind of their their transfer strategy, I think he, like we said last week or or last episode rather, he uh, he brings out things in players that uh, other coaches can't. Right, and I think yeah. you saw that they're going after guys he wants, and they've also implemented his three five two all the way down to the youth system. Yeah, yeah, and again, I think he's uh, next year. Inter is gonna again. They, they I, I don't see them taking a step back. I think they take a step forward, but uh, we'll see. And then again, number one, Gasparini. Uh, no, uh, no issues here. I think uh, let's go. Um, I love it, and I hope that again, some another team that can take a step forward. I hope is Atalanta because they, uh, yeah, man, they deserve it. I, All right. Uh, for me, um, I just I. I, I I would love to see Deserbi at uh, a bigger club. I mean, I, I remember reading uh, an interview that he made with Gazette uh, the Dello Sport, and he he he's, he doesn't care about uh, you know that opportunity yet. And I hope he keeps um, surprising with Sassuolo, and uh, I hope that he does take players that you know uh, who thought they weren't uh, that they wouldn't be able to succeed. At a high level, uh, like like Berardi, and take them and make their club, uh, you know, move up a level and and challenge uh, Milan, challenge Roma, 
for those final uh, European spots and Napoli, I should say. Yeah, and Sassuolo is is a team that uh, like has fell off obviously right in the last, past couple of years. When when did they have like their success? Was it with Di Francesco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So he he had again whatever he brought in to that to that system was like was great, and then you kind of saw it kind of leave right. And I think they haven't had that that kind of push until now, right? So it's it's again. You you see it in, you know, a lot of things that I, I would say they attack mostly, um, but yeah, it's it could be, it could be a blessing for them obviously to have him and, uh, and hopefully he stays I think, for a while. I think you'll be damaging to his brand of uh, of of football if Locatelli does leave. I think he he's he's a fixture. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, sorry, he's a, he's a fixture. In, in that team and uh, and anchored around how they play, I've, uh, he's the metronome, uh, and and then there's a the reason why that Juventus are interested, and I think uh, Milan should be regretting the fact that they sold him on the cheap. Yeah, and that's a good point, Paulo. Only uh, the true number one uh, manager of Serie A could could take Locatelli <laughs> from uh, Zerbi, <laughs> and I think that's that's going to be Andrea Pirlo. Um, <laughs> Okay, uh, Chris, thank you so much. That was, I, I know you put a lot of work into that, so it's great that uh, we could have that discussion. Again, guys, like Chris said, uh, go out there and, and have, uh, you know, have, your, have your discussions and say whether you agree with uh, this top five. Um, all right, Paul, yeah, if you want to go uh, into... Just quickly, uh, I'm going to do the, my Serie B minute, and this time... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, we're timing. <laughs> Hold on, let's get this. So uh, tomorrow, uh, Thursday... Uh, Spezia and Frozenone play the final leg. Spezia is up one nothing. Uh, they beat Frozenone um, at Frozenone, so they had taken a very important away goal uh, back into the second leg at home. Um, uh, it will be the game for Canadian viewers. Will be on Dazen, which is very important. Very happy nice. Dazen is carrying that game, and also for our listeners in Italy. I know there's a few of them, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, it will also be uh, on Dazen in Italy. Um, personally, personally speaking, um, uh, I know I respect all that, that Spezia is doing, but personally speaking, I'd rather Frozen Army to win because uh, I, they can bring uh, a, a brand new stadium uh, and just a, just a better viewing experience uh, uh, to, 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 to Syria, and they also have a uh, Syria experience. Forza Frosinone. Forza, Forza Frosinone. I know. I know <laughs> yeah, that's what Spezia gets the promotion. We get another Canadian in Serie A. Yeah, well, we you're right. Eight Canadians. Eight Canadian. Eight <laughs> Canadian who's, uh, you know, a, a third goalkeeper, but, you know, the Canadian content nonetheless. I know uh, one of our uh, avid listeners is a Frosinone fan, so I, I know he'll be watching the game tomorrow. Uh, Mike, uh, if you have anything to say to, to wrap up the episode. I think Mike went to bed. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. Well, yeah. So I'll I'll wrap it up. Uh, yeah. Uh, guys, thanks a lot for uh, for doing this, and uh, you know we'll, uh, we'll 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 come back next week. Well, uh, please, viewers, send us uh, your questions and commentaries. Uh, you can reach us at uh, at RTW Calcio on Instagram and at Rete This Way on Twitter. Uh, look forward to uh, hearing uh, being back next week and hearing your uh, your questions and commentaries. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening.